microphones and headphones provided by CAD Audio. CAD Audio, expression through innovation. To another issue, of another episode. Got issues are mighty Marvel geeks. The other shows are episodes. Anyhow, welcome to another episode of Wookie Radio. It is the Smugglers Three: Ken, Derek, and myself. Mike, um, as about the same voice as last week. But I gotta say, thanks to the guy, to Alex and Luke from Bodactin for the theme song. Um, they're actually back at Epcot again, so I ha- I'm not working with them, but I, I gotta get over and try and see them uh, before they leave next week. Uh, but again, a shout out to those guys for for our theme song. There's nothing like hearing no. the S- Star Wars main title on bagpipes. Yeah. Now, mm-hmm. have they ever got a chance to actually li- listen to it on the show? Do you know? Yes, they. They actually. I I know Alex listens to the show quite. A bit i think luke does as well so, okay um but we are joined um this is our 50th episode and, and we're we're joined by by a guy i have met twice or yeah met at 2015 megacon and then uh, got reacquainted at celebration orlando 2017 last year um one of my favorite cover artists for Marvel Comics. Um, not only does he do does he do covers for the Star Wars titles, um, but he's also done a lot of variant covers for other titles, and I'm going to say more action figure variant covers. Uh, I want to <laughs> welcome to the show, John Tyler Christopher. How you doing, John? I'm doing well, man. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's, it's our pleasure. Um, these guys will tell you I go nuts over the action figure variant covers. Thanks, man. That means the world, dude. So, um, now you were, before we get into how you got started with the action figure variant covers, I want to say you're the only cover artist who got two covers for Star Wars issue number one. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, well, I don't know if if anyone else did, but, um, I did actually three, I want to say. Because I did so. Obviously, there was the Luke Skywalker action right, figure, which I have cover. Then there was the party variant with Jackson, which was like one of the most surreal experiences ever. Um, probably, that was super. Probably the best cover out of the tw- out of the sixty three. Well, thanks, man. And then um, I also did a negative space. Actually, I did a negative space, then I did a black and white of the negative space of Luke Han and Leia, and Luke and Han are dressed in stormtrooper gear, and okay. it's like the three of them. Um, so I was able to do all those, which, like, I mean, it's such a weird, like, history I have with Star Wars because I actually, one of my first professional gigs in, quote-unquote, entertainment art, you know, like, I mean, besides doing um, advertisements and stuff like that, was actually I did, I became a Lucas-licensed artist way back in the day when I did Star Wars miniatures Okay, um, wow. for Wizards of the Coast. Yeah, uh, it was cool. I actually got to design Leia as a Jedi. Um, I did, like, Dark Lady and a bunch of other, like, just really cool characters. 
Um, so having that opportunity again to draw Star Wars, but not necessarily like, I mean, besides Leia, most of them were expanded universe characters and stuff like that, obviously. Uh, to be able to draw the big three was like a dream come true. And I never would have thought I'd be doing it three years later and being able to, you know, have the pleasure of being able to work on them every, every issue. It's been amazing. I mean, I, to draw the characters and the obscure characters is just amazing. Now, how, how did you get, or how did the whole concept of the action figure variants come about? Uh, it was actually the first uh, cover I was approached about doing for star Wars. Um, uh, I wish I could take credit for it, but all credit has to go to George Balliard. Um, my dream job with Marvel was always to be able to do, and I, I let them know, um, the universal, the universe's guide to the Marvel handbook or, yeah, yeah. um, where they just did those awesome, like, you know, turnaround shots of the characters. And I'd expressed to George how badly I wanted to do that if that opportunity ever came up. Um, so he almost kind of joked with me. It was really funny because at the time, you know, I had, uh, there was like an NDA involved with everything because they hadn't even announced yet that they had gotten this, that they were going to be doing more Star Wars books. So uh, he's like, hey, man, I, I'm, I'm just curious if you're interested in doing this new project we might be picking up. It's a uh, star or something, but I can't say the rest. And uh, <laughs> you know, I kind of joked around with him, like an old David Hasselhoff movie that I was a big fan of um, back in the day. Uh, and from there, you know, I signed the contract and he was like, dude, we want you to do Star Wars action figures. And it started out as like four, four or five covers. There weren't many. Um, and the joke at the time, and I apologize if you've heard this before, but, um, doing covers, like a lot of people don't, I think, understand how long it takes to do covers or comic book artwork. So at the time I was doing, like, I was not sleeping. I was not seeing my family. I was on the verge of like, just collapse. And, uh, he hit my, my wife and I almost two days before being approached about this project, my wife and my mom actually had an intervention with me and said, you, you have to cut back on work. Like you cannot take any more work. You need to sleep. You need to like get back in the, you know, swing of things with, with your family. And when George hit me up, I was like, this is my dream come true. So I couldn't tell my wife I took the project. So I literally had to work on them after she went to sleep. And I worked on them from, you know, 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night until about seven o'clock in the morning. And that's how I did like Luke, Han, Leia, Obi-Wan and Vader. Uh, she was not even aware I, I was doing those covers. Wow. Uh, and you know, I feel blessed that way I did because they have without a doubt kind of turned my career around, man. You know, it's been the highlight of, of anything I've ever done. So I'm guessing she knows now that you did those. <laughs> I haven't told her yet. I'm, I'm still waiting to feel it out. <laughs> um, no, it's, it's dude. She loves it. Like, um, because I mean, if you look at those numbers also, like I just, in fact, I told her right before I left to do a signing, um, for the star Wars, uh, for the party variant, I did a signing in um, Boston, um, and that is actually where I had the revelation of doing my own exclusives. Was actually on that trip. Really? And, yeah, that's all up in my neck. So yeah, that's where it all began. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I was I was out there, and I, I saw like kind of what the the party variant was doing, and and it never. Like I had been kind of scheming on, I'm always trying to stay ahead of the curve on business. Like that's something I have a background in, um, in looking at, at new ways to do things. 
So I had kind of always had this idea of like wanting to do a variant, but never finding like, okay, I got to capitalize on this. So while I was out there and I saw the success of it, I was like, you know what, man, I think I should try and see if I can do a Star Wars action figure variant of my own. And uh, man, you know, I went back when I got back home, I pitched it to her and she was just really kind of scared and hesitant about the idea at first. And uh, when I called Marvel, you know, their whole response was no one is ever asked to do this before um and from there like it was uh hey man can i do boba fett and they said sure and the rest is history so boba fett was the first cover then boba fett was my first exclusive yeah that's a good choice (laughs) now to this point how many um action figure variants have you done for star wars and then i know you do it for marvel also how many do you have any idea how many actual action figure variant covers you've done well Let's see here. Um, I know I, when I started, the first year I started doing action figures, which I've almost, I almost did exclusively for two and a half years. Uh, I did 112 the first year, 126 the second year, and I did 100 last year. But I also started those trading cards as well. Um, to take a break from the Marvel one. So Star Wars, well over 50, you know, probably closer to 60 or so. Mm. And Mike's wallet is crying. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think. Star Star Wars with the action figure variants. You've done the 42, which we'll get to the interesting story behind issue 40. Okay. Uh, a little later. I know you've done the 42 there. Uh, and then there's been, what, six, six or eight exclusives? Uh, for myself, yeah, that sound that eight, I think, maybe even more than that. But and then, um, well, I'm okay, including the black and whites. I would say maybe ten. Yeah, yeah, that sounds about right. I mean, I like I count the black and whites, but I don't because the Luke, the Luke black and white was such an extreme case. Um, I, I feel really fortunate that that was the one that was the dealer uh, the dealer incentive for that dinner at C two E two. Because um, the only way you could get it was if you attended this like breakfast that um, Diamond put on. Because as we talked um, before, you know, like the collection is kind of the the appeal of the series, right? It's yeah. uh, you can definitely collect whichever character you like, but I think having the entire set is important. And I just can't even fathom what would have happened if there would only be 200 Darth Vader's in existence. You know, like I think a lot of people would have killed it, man. You know. <laughs> um. Well, speaking of, of the variants and how, I guess, rare, of all the covers you've done that have been retail, not your exclusive, what do you think has been the most rare or, or highest price one? I'm almost positive outside of black and white Luke, as far as like the, the normal colored ones. Uh, I want to say it's Han Solo, which is Star Wars number two. Hmm. I, I was going to say, yeah, that that's one I wish I had extras of. <laughs> I, I have I have a copy of of that Han Solo, which was the the Star Wars Han Solo. And yeah. last I checked, I know I picked it up for like eight bucks. Uh, last I checked, my local shop has a copy of it selling for anywhere between seventy five to a hundred bucks. So I I am fortunate and very happy with my my returns <laughs> on that title on that issue. That's gotta feel pretty good knowing that you you have something that you have you created something that is so popular and oh man i mean like i said it's a it was a life-changing experience for me right um and i'm just the jerk who draws stuff man you know like i all credit is due to i think star wars and the star wars action figures like i'm very 
very appreciative of where I am in the pecking order of all of that. You know, like right. it's all it's Star Wars, it's action figures, it's the comics, and I'm just fortunate enough to be the guy that's able to draw. And I hope that you know I can live up to that legacy. You know, I mean, Netflix just dropped a great series on the the, to- the, the toys that made us. I believe yes. what it's called. Yep. Oh yeah. You know, I mean. It's weird. Like I look at the Star Wars action figures as almost as important as the movies, if that makes sense. Like the actual toys. Um, oh yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's like that. That's what took us as kids, uh, assuming you played with them. Um, we 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 saw the movies, we got the toys, and we made our own stories with them. And I think that is what has kept you know all of these stories that have, are being told. I'm even convinced a lot of the new movies. Um, you know, man, those were played on somebody's kitchen floor back in the day. And <laughs> oh yeah. I, I won't tell you how many times uh, as a kid I would take play sets from other things like my brother's Fisher Price Castle, and that was a star that was a, a Star Wars fortress of some sort. Yeah, uh, I, I mean you, we used everything, created zip lines from from one thing to another for for everyone to zip zip line through. Well, as a kid in the um, late 70s, early 80s, that's basically the only way you had to remember the movies. Because you got to remember, VHS really wasn't huge until, what, 82, 83 is when people just, regular people would have it in their house. Yeah. And the movies didn't even come out till what, 84 on VHS? I think so. I I remember getting the original trilogy on Betamax. Uh, uh, yeah. yes. <laughs> and that that was my you know like i think i watched now i because i was i was born at the end of 78 so like for me you know i love the ewoks jabba was the coolest ever i watched the rancor scene on betamax 2000 times as a kid man <laughs> but yeah. the, you know the, again they're, they're, they're such a defining the toys i think are a defining part of our society and everything since then has tried to capture i mean that cultural explosion of what star Wars was not just as a film, but as a a way of life almost, you know, for a lot of kids growing up. Yeah. Well, to that point, um, my best friend who I've been best friends with for 35 years now, uh, we, we, you know, we do another podcast together and everything. We, we first bonded over our star Wars toys. Oh, totally. So that, that's how our, our friendship was built on, on the star Wars toys we had. And, you know, 35, 40 years later, we're still friends. Well, think of like how, how many friendships as a kid were like almost predicated or like you almost started dealing with the idea of like, okay, I'm going to get so-and-so you get this guy, I'll get this guy. And then we can have like a larger collection again, like collectively. Yeah. Right. Like like my friend had a, I remember he had a do back and I was so jealous. I was like, Oh, I want one of those so bad. (laughs) Well, I, I know with my brother and I, um, since we have moved around a lot as kids, when it came to the figures, we each had our own set. Wow. I mean, it was one of those, well, no, your brother has this. Yeah. So that's his, (laughs) I need my own. Now, when it came to ships, um, I think we ended up getting what we wanted taste wise, uh, with Mm -hmm. what we were able to afford, but we didn't always get the, the ships that we wanted. Uh, I mean, there were, there were a few ships that eluded us that, that we wanted. Like I, I always wanted the Millennium Falcon uh, and like a snow speeder. Never really did get those. Uh, but I did have X wings and TIE fighters and. The land speeder and did you cl- did you get those like do you remember they did like a series of vehicles that were like really small they were like one figure vehicles like one almost looked like an, it was an imperial vehicle that looked almost like an adat head 
Yeah. Uh, ones that are now canon because they're being used in, uh, yeah. in Force Arena. Like, how cool. It's, that's, like, that's, again, like, the power of these toys, right? Yeah. You know, they, oh, yeah. And, and it's been so fascinating for me to do, like, the research on these. Because anytime I get an opportunity to do one, like, I do research and to find where the history behind the figure meeting how he was represented in the you know pre-production because a lot of them were produced before obviously the movies the, the toys have a huge impact in the legacy of star wars you know right oh, definitely. well yeah. and they were saying too uh i i've heard it before but i know they said it again on on toys that made us that those were made to kind of fill the gap between the movies to keep to keep the uh to keep the toys in everyone's mindset. Awesome. Um, so, I mean, they talk about, you know, these little jump things, because I think they came out between uh, Empire and um, Return of the Jedi. And they and they, they said they did it to, to just keep, keep think, you know, keep the toys fresh in, in everyone's eyes. And, and they were given carte blanche to do what they wanted and in hopes that, you know, maybe if they do this, it might appear in a movie, which... That's so cool. Now, at the at the time it was considered canon now there a couple of the pieces are, are considered canon now because they're they're used in the force arena game which is considered canon but it's um yeah it the, the show's interesting um I, I i think what you i think what you said at celebration uh during the marvel panel about your approach to the covers was real interesting oh thank you very much man and it's... and, and then you, you were saying you you looked at it from like the eyes of a five-year-old that's my first editor. Yeah, is five-year-old John. Um, whenever I I look at the figure, and it's been really cool because my mom was smart enough to keep all my toys for me. Some so once I revealed that I was doing these, she pulled them all out of the attic. And anytime anytime I get asked to do a figure, if I have them, I pull them out and I look at them and I try and remember what I thought was unique or interesting about the character. You know, like the the first one being uh, that Luke Skywalker. You know, the fact that Luke has this like neon yellow hair, and I was like. That's so weird. And those are the kind of nuances I want to try and capture. Okay. So with any of these, when you're doing your research, um, do you actually, have you talked to Steve Sansweet or Pablo Hidalgo or any of the other guys that are really known for um, cataloging figures in, in Star Wars? Unfortunately, I haven't. Um, I, I've, I've talked to uh, s- several big toy collectors. Um, Dennis Barger has become a friend of mine. Um, he and I nerd out a lot about the toys. Uh, he's got just such an amazing collection of them, and he's you know he's the guy that with these figures, you know, I'm not getting into the nuances of like, well, this version of Blue Snaggletooth has the little bump on the shoe, so therefore it's this version or what have you. But uh, he's always like a good a good resource. Um, you know things like the, the Jawa, right? We had the opportunity when when he came up to do the vinyl cape or the cloth. Like it was kind of my call on what to do, and it was like, man, let's do the rare version. Let's do the one that is that no one had. Um, so it's almost like, yeah, you might not have the real vinyl cape Jawa, but here's your opportunity to have the pretend one, if you will. See, I want to say I think I had both. I had the cloth and the vinyl cape. Wow. Uh, do you still have it? No, those are long gone. (laughs) (laughs) But my, my neighbor across the street, um, she still has her vinyl cape Jawa. Wow. And, and, and I, I've tried to get it from her. She's like, yeah, I'm not getting rid of it. <laughs> if you do, you know who to call. <laughs> 
I don't care. Yeah, if it's, just, I don't care if it's loose, but I'll, I'll still still grab it. Yeah, no, they've just they've they've kind of taken on a life of their own, right? You know, which is just it's unbelievable to think what they have because part of the charm of the me is also like the mist- is the mistakes and the you know I look at the black series now, right? And it's just such a beautiful line or what what slideshow is doing and, and those people yeah. with with their figures or statues. And they're beautiful and they're they're better in every way except the one way that matters. And that's the nostalgia and the heart that we have growing up as fans. Now, I got to ask with the Han Solo, why did you choose big head solo instead of (laughs) small head? (laughs) Was it that obvious? Oh, yeah. Um, it's, it, you know, honestly, man, at that, at the beginning phase, it was such a weird, like touch and go on what we were able to get away with, um, at the time. I mean, that's why like Luke didn't have a yellow lightsaber because, you know, I'll, I had a huge concern of, man, are people going to look at it and literally say, why does Luke have a yellow lightsaber? He had a blue lightsaber. Um, you know, not, not, not understanding, I guess we were more concerned with Star Wars fan as opposed to Star Wars action figure fan. Right. Um, mm. if that makes sense. And of course we know the action figure actually had a, a yellow saber. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and Kenobi was, was blue. Yes. I believe it was. Yeah. But that's like it's it's those little weird things that I, I try and capture all the time. And again, learning from w- what the history was behind it. I just I just finished up a character um, that they have not announced yet, who actually was never in the movies. Um, and oh. this was part of the original toy line. Oh wow! Who could that be? Um. So it's, I'm just trying to think who it is. <laughs> so I don't know who 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 um who would you say was the hardest to draw so far? Hmm. Or did well, it wasn't? I'm sorry. I was going to say, or it didn't quite. It wasn't quite what you were expecting when you started the project. Um, I remained consistent. I wish. So again, going back to like the beginning and how we were trying to articulate things. Like I was going really insane on trying to emulate the toy. Um, at the time, like I, I wish I did Princess Leia with a better likeness of Carrie Fisher. Um, and mm-hmm. all things as they are now, like I'm, I'm really kind of heartbroken over it. I wish I could have. I thought the side illustration of her was was accurate, but the figure itself, um, not not as much as I I, I guess I, I wish she could be Carrie Fisher. Yeah, especially now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, you know, man, hopefully we have I have an opportunity to do a you know new version of Leia from the the newer films, and if I do, I'm going to really strive to accurately portray her much more faithfully. Mm-hmm. But. They've like so they, they they each present challenges. I mean, some of the more obscure characters are really difficult because they don't have as good of reference. I mean, like so so when I look at these, right, I I attack it from the vantage point that going to cons, a lot of these actors are still attending cons. So even if they were a background character, I really strive to find the actors that portrayed them and capture that likeness because I want people that collect these to be able to go to that actor and show it to them and be like, see, that's you. Um, and if it helps put some cash in their pocket and, you know, more power to them. But that has been really challenging. Um, like Dangar was, was difficult to find like really good shots of the characters, the, the actor's likeness. Um, yeah. 
I'm, I'm dreading some of these uh, Java Palace aliens, too. Um, Lucasfilm has been really good about supplying reference material where, when and where they can. But you got to think, man, it's a different world back then. I mean, a lot of that stuff, yeah. those things are, were not kept. Mm-hmm. You know, could you imagine having some of those, having the only copies of some of those, like, you know, uh, costume tests or, mm. you know, a lot of the actors, they were just like, hey, you want to be in this scene? Be in, you're going to be this guy. And away they went. I, I was actually, there was one character I did that Lucasfilm was not 100% certain on who the actor was. So I couldn't even, I couldn't even find out. I, I did my best from, he was in the far background and I did my best to try and capture his likeness. But wow. They had another one of those that um, at the last celebration at the Cantina panel that Pablo and um, I forget who the other guy's name off the top of my head that did that panel. They actually still, there was one um, actor that they were still trying to find, nail down exactly who it was in the costume. <laughs> See, like, it's, it's such a, like, a testament to how movies were made back then, right? You know, it's it's not like it is today where everything is just so buttoned down and, you know, accounted for. Uh, I, I remember going over to a buddy's house um, and he actually had a H.R. Giger pencil sketch he got of Aliens. Oh. Alien. Um, and it was, it was different. Like it, but it, you know, Giger didn't really work in pencil, but it was because he bought it from some guy that did dumpster diving out in LA or wherever it was. And yeah. he found Giger sketches in the trash. Wow. Yeah. You know, like, could you, could you even fathom them doing that now with like star Wars artwork or, you know? No, yeah. Never. Yeah. Yeah. Not anymore. Well, it's like the people who used to hang outside, uh, industrial light and magic during, uh, empire or even the tail end of, of Star Wars and, and did the dumpster diving there mm. to salvage some of the pieces from that. Yeah. Oh, I, like there was a, what was it? Was it the, wasn't the ad app? Yeah, I think it was the ad app pilot, you know, to find out that they, I believe they reused the TIE fighter pilot helmet for that. And like, there's one guy that has like the only known copy of that. And again, now, I mean, how many copies of every unique helmet would they make for a movie? Yeah. Oh yeah, tons. Well, especially now when they're doing a movie every year, uh, you look at the prop department. I watched that one that special on StarWars.com last week, and they were showing the prop department. And they, when it's done in the movie, they put it back in the um, room so they could reuse it for the next movie or the next one coming up. Yeah, it's it's unbelievable. I mean, we are in such a unique space for Star Wars. Pardon the pun. Um, with just the new all the movies coming out once a year and. The vanguard that Disney has for it, right? I mean, you know, with the the games and the movies. I mean, man, it used to be like it was such. It was almost a, a unique thing to get new Star Wars stuff. Right now, I do have a a listener or social media question. Uh, this is from Nicholas Hoff. And his oh, right question, on. And his question is, um, he's got two questions. Uh, first question, what uh, I'm actually curious as to what John Tyler Christopher's favorite Star Wars and or non-Star Wars project has been while working the current Marvel comics. Uh, definitely the action figures in general. Um the Star Wars ones, if I was to nail down like one in particular, uh, I really enjoyed like doing Vader was such a treat to me because that was, you know, Vader is my hero. Um, <laughs> that works. Um, <laughs> I was really happy and excited when I had the opportunity to work on Darth Maul too. Um, I was really pleased with how he came out. Um, cause he's, Darth Maul's a really interesting character to paint because when you draw him without the tattoos and stuff, he looks really weird. 
Oh yeah. 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 The character doesn't get sold until you add the paint to him. So that was such a like, you know, I was like, this is going to suck. This is going to suck. This is going to suck. Oh, cool. Okay. I'm, I'm feeling this one now. Well, was he hard to do because of that? Cause you had to do the paint in a specific certain way or. Oh yeah. No, he's, he is by far one of the most challenging because again, like you, he starts off and he's just a bald dude with horns <laughs> and, uh, he is not Darth Maul until you put the tattoos on him. And that's, you know, one of the final steps. So the whole entire penciling process, it's difficult for me to say, is this Darth Maul? Um, And, uh, you know, it's like, again, trying to capture the actor's likeness. I I felt really disconcerting of like, does this look like Ray Park? Because Darth Maul doesn't look like Ray Park, if you know what I mean. Right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so that, that was a really interesting one, but yeah, I mean, Vader was, was a dream drawing Luke. I mean, is when I made an annou- the announcement recently about Luke, um, I am a farm boy and he was my hero growing up as a kid. So, you know, being able to, anytime I get a chance to draw Luke Skywalker is just surreal. Well, I guess I'll take it the next step. Non Star Wars Marvel project. What's been your favorite? Uh, I'm having a lot of fun with the trading cards, but the action figures were just because they were so close to that handbook. Um, and also like, so as a, as a variant cover artist, right, you get hit up a lot to do the big ones, Iron Man, Captain America, Hulk, um, Black Widow, Hawkeye, you know, and it seemed like I made just, that's all I did for the longest time. But because of the nature of the action figures, I was really able to start doing obscure characters that I, I drew Howard the Duck, man. I mean, how cool is that? That, that is awesome. That's non Star Wars. That is one of the ones on my list. <laughs> awesome. Um, but any of those kind of people, you know, like I enjoyed drawing the newer characters, but I again also enjoyed drawing the the more obscure ones to be able to go and do. Um, we did a series where we did like the classic versions of them. So to be able to draw Hawkeye in his odd costume, um, to be able to do the accessories also, like I really put a lot of time in the Marvel accessories. Uh, like when I did Black Widow, I actually did her vintage design, like her original costume. She had like the, she wore the black wig with the uh, the bangs. Yeah. So that was that was a lot of fun, man. I I liked what you did with Secret Wars, where it looked like the older um the the older original Marvel action figures that they tried Thanks. that they tried, but then when like the secret, I know the stuff like the Howard the Duck, the Gwenpool, um, Spider Gwen, um, and all those, where it looked more modern. I, I really fell in love with those as well. Thanks. We, it, those were like so. Basically, what had happened is like the Star Wars one started. Uh, it all off. And then I remember I was actually boarding a plane because I remember vividly because I'm terrified of flying. So I'm in like ultimate survival mode on a plane. Um, I can remember almost everything on every flight. But I got an email from Marvel and they're like, hey, man, we want you to do a Secret War Deadpool um, for Deadpool's Secret Secret War. And I loved the idea for no other reason because those Secret War ones were so wrong. I mean, similar to the Darth Maul thing, like as you're drawing them, your br- my brain is just screaming at me how bad they look. You know, like why does Doc Ock have a six pack and shoulders like He-Man? Um <laughs> But that's the charm of that that series, right? And uh, when those proved to be successful, too, that's when they approached me about, like, what if you could create your own toy line? And that's what led into the Marvel toys. And oddly enough, Spider-Gwen was my first one. And I believe somebody at Hasbro saw those. And that's when I got approached about doing the Marvel Legends toy line for them. And Spider-Gwen was actually the first character I ever did for the Marvel Legends line. So it was all kind of cyclical. Okay. Well, kind of 
sticking with the cyclical thing, how did you take the news when it was announced that Dr. Afro was going to become a, a the fan's choice figure in the vintage line when it comes back, knowing you kind of did? the vintage figure that was super cool actually i was at disney at the time we were waiting in line i remember for the elsa sing-along with my kids (laughs) (laughs) and it was hard to let it go but dump dump uh um, dude, it was awesome. My guy at uh, Hasbro emailed me and he was just like, did you do this? And I'm like, I, I did. Um, she deserves it, man. Afra's awesome. She yes. is by far the breakout character of the, the, the comic books. I was impressed at Celebration on just how many Dr. Afras there were on, at the at the show. The cosplay oh, really? for Afra was amazing. That's awesome. Uh, it, there was, I don't know how many, but you, you look... I would say you you would spot one or two in every twenty cosplayers that walk by. I mean, oh, it, cool. it, it was something else. Um, now, how how does the decision of which character gets made, and um, the or did they just let you do whichever one you want next? Uh six and a half dozen the other man. Um, a lot of times they have some lined up. Sometimes I will ask if I can do certain things at certain times. Um, you know. We're, we're trying to go as much as possible down the line, if you will. Um, you know, we're wrapping up Empire here. So, obviously, we'll be starting with Jedi coming up. So, it's it's really whatever comes up next. But then there's opportunities that arise. Like, uh, there's a lot of people that are interested in me doing a Phasma, I know. Um, I'm, I'm not sure the reasons why we didn't do one. But, fortunately, we were able to do a Thrawn. Oh, mm-hmm. Thrawn's going to be great. Ugh. I'm looking forward to the series. Oh, yeah. No, and I mean, I, it was fun because I, I've, I had the pleasure of sitting next to Timothy Zahn uh, at a show once. And to be able to pick his brain, like, he might actually be Thrawn. Like, <laughs> I, I wouldn't <laughs> doubt it. I wouldn't doubt it. Well, he is I, so observant and so, like, analytically minded. It's it's unreal how, like, he would make a great detective. Let's put it that yeah. way. Hmm. I, I liked what you did too at the end of the uh, the Darth the the first Darth Vader series. Oh, thanks, man. Uh, with yeah, with BT zero or BT one trips and some of the other characters. Yeah, that that was. I felt really honored that they would give me that opportunity. You know to to try and create something that hadn't been created before. Um, you know, one of the one of the things I really enjoy about this series is that it bridges the gaps of film, comic, novel. Like, you know, there's a consistency right. with the art style. So to be able to do those characters was so much fun to be able to, you know, capture their likenesses again with Dr. Afra. You know, I know a lot of people approach uh, commented that they felt vindicated because they had discussions of like, is Dr. Afra quote unquote Asian? And I had always saw the character that way. So when I drew it that way, people could look at it and compare that to the Luke Skywalker and say like, oh, yes, she, she looks Asian. And I'm like, that's that made me feel really good. Okay. Great story. Uh, Eric, who you met at Celebration from Mighty Marvel Geeks, and I were chatting with Jordan, Jordan D. White. Uh, of course, editor for, for the Star Wars titles. And we got to talking about Afra and how we would love to see her in the current trilogy. And Eric goes, yeah, I could see Betty White playing her. And, and, the, and, the, and one of the guys at the Tate's booth where we met up at goes, yeah, Betty White would be perfect as Afra. And Jordan goes, there's one problem. She's supposed to be Asian. So it immediately went to Ming-Na Wen. <laughs> also, I don't, I don't think she's quite as old as Betty White. Yeah. 
Well, by the time we get to to the new trilogy, she would. Oh be. Yeah. yeah, that's yeah. That's she could point. be up there. Plus, then we would have half of the Golden Girls as canonical Star Wars characters, which uh, <laughs> makes the world a better place. This now we turn Blanche Dubois. <laughs> so, um, so, has there been a character that you wanted to do? Ahsoka Tano. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if we go based on on the Marvel panel, that still might be able to happen. Since the fans fans are wanting an Ahsoka miniseries. Mm. Um, What I was going to say is, is there one that either Marvel or Lucasfilm or both said no? Not directly. Um, I kind of indirectly pitched an idea for an April Fool's joke of actually doing a B. Arthur action figure <laughs> that we would never make. <laughs> and I was told that that probably wasn't a good idea, and I just kind of left it at that. <laughs> I disagree. Well, I think it would have been a good yeah. idea. That would, that well, would, in the same... But, oh, go ahead, Mike. I was going to say, that would be a great April Fool's cover-only exclusive for the site. <laughs> well, I'd love to, but... Uh, could you do it as a two pack? To, but- Could you do it as a ter- two pack with uh, Art Carney? <laughs> <laughs> I, I live by a, I live by a philosophy that uh, when they say jump, I say how high, and if they say change something, even if I disagree with it, I'm like, yes, ma'am, I will do whatever you ask me to do. Was there been any in the same realm here? Has there been any that you were surprised when they asked you to do it? Something that you weren't expecting to get asked for? Uh, at the beginning, yeah, like I said, especially those those five with Vader that ended in Vader because it was we again this started with like four or five comic covers and then when we finished the original ones, like I think we did like ten and Marvel, you know, point blank was like planning on stopping it and I, I was I, like, I think everyone was thinking it was going to stop because you you hit the original twelve between yeah Vader with Vader one Leia with the Leia mini and then and then the rest of the ten and the first ten of uh, of Star Wars like well there's the original twelve yeah I I, I was. I was just like, please don't let, let this stop, you know? And they're like, if you're serious and you're okay keeping this going, like if you're down for the commitment, we're cool with this. And I was like, you better believe it, man. Let's do this. Have, have you had people ask you, please stop? <laughs> A lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, you know, it's, it's like I said, I, I feel blessed by it. And I, I legitimately, I feel blessed because how many people get to wake up in the morning and legitimately look forward to going into work. Mm. And and that's how I feel about this. Like I, I am reliving my child. I get to be five years old again, every time I work on these and the people that enjoy them seem very passionate about it and has given me an opportunity to meet so many people and then opportunities that I would never be afforded without them. So I'll stop making them, I guess, when people want to stop buying them. But uh, I'm, like I said, I, I, enjoy, I legitimately enjoy doing them. I literally, I literally enjoy buying them, but I do question: <laughs> Will there ever be an end? Because, it, you know, jokingly calling you my dealer, it's it's that addiction of if if I was to stop my pull list of anything else, the action figure variant covers, I could not not get i i'm so addicted to getting them it, it, it's it's unbelievable well I, I really appreciate that man i mean i i don't i don't want to be like a crack dealer or anything like that but uh you know. <laughs> too late and i'm sure um, i'm not the only one who's saying that either no it's it's weird like i remember growing up right and you hear you hear artists talk about like making 
their work and you kind of like work in a vacuum, if you will. Um, and I never understood it, but like I, I, I do to a certain extent now because I, again, it's one of those things where I just follow my gut and my instincts of, man, I just want to keep doing these. And the fact that people do enjoy them is such a surreal thing because I would, if I won the lottery tomorrow, I really wouldn't stop much of what I do. You know, I might tweak some of the all-nighters a little bit and rework that. But at the end of the day, I, I just, I enjoy making them, the creative process, the you know, being able to jump on something like this, right? Like just sit down and talk about Star Wars action figures. Like it's such a it's Star Wars in general, like to be able to share it with people is such a wonderful thing. Oh yeah. Um, well, go ahead, Ken. Sorry. You've mentioned a couple times, um, just little things on how much goes into this. And we know a lot goes into these covers uh, on average, about how long does it take to do a cover when you from the concept all the way through to finished product? Uh, the action figure covers are very different than a regular cover. So, um, cause you know, a usual, a normal cover, I like 40 hours a week on with action figure covers because so much of it is, is pre done with the, you know, the box art and just kind of having a, a method now and like a, a pipeline. Uh, I can crank one out in 20 hours, 30 hours, 2025, 20, really. Cool. Yeah. So it is yeah. a whole lot of work. <laughs> yeah. 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 Now, earlier, uh, you said something about, um, oh, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> Um, you, you talked about you you do you know whatever they tell you you'll do even if you disagree with it. So of course with the, you know you don't have to get any into any details. But was there ever anything that you that they wanted you to do or change that you really 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 disagreed with? Um. Well, you know, going back going back to the Darth Maul. Uh, at the time, we had never. So one of the the joys of doing characters that were never part of the original line was the idea of retro designing them, if you will, of looking at how, with the limitations of technology back in in the original series and the original line, how would these characters have looked, right? Because so with with Darth Maul, I didn't want to just put a separate dual lightsaber in there. I wanted to make it part of his body, like it was attached, just like the way the, you know, the other original lightsabers were handled. Right. So I literally worked out a way that the two lightsabers were basically like telescopic and they would fold into the inside and outside of his arm. And then you would pull them, you know, basically like rotate them down into the lightsaber and then pull them out. Um, And I was kind of really proud of just the engineering thought I thought process I had for it. Um, They wanted it separately. You know, I I'm fine with having it separately. I just was like, oh, man, I wish I could share with people the it was more just the thought that I guess I I, I was I kind of fell in love with. But yeah. And the work you put into to figuring it out. and Yeah. But at the end of the day, like my mentor always taught me and this was like a, a really valuable lesson. It's a good lesson for any aspiring young artists. And that is these are not my covers. These are Marvel and Disney's and Lucasfilm's covers. I'm just the guy that puts the pencil to the paper to draw their cover. So right. you don't ever want to get too attached to anything because at the end of the day, it's, it's, that's, that's their Darth Maul, you know, and they have the right to tell me whatever they think is best. And even if I disagree with it, I'm never going to like fight them on it, if you will, because it's theirs and they, I'm, I'm just honored to be able to draw it. Well, yeah, that's, that's a good lesson for artists and writers and, and all kinds of creative individuals to learn in those situations. Yeah. Now, um, second question from Nick, from Nicholas was how, and this is for all of us, how would we rank all nine Star Wars films? 
Get back to me next week. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's, uh, he's stirring up a hornet's nest there, huh? Yeah. <laughs> so I guess we could, I guess, start off with you, John. Um, Not to throw you on the spot or anything. Can, can I base? It's however you want to do it. Yeah, you know, it, Empire to me is my favorite. And, and mm. here's, I guess, another thing that's interesting about Star Wars, and I think that it's a it's a discussion that has been kind of lost in the whole debate regarding the Last Jedi. Is I think there's a very different response to what do you think is the best and what do you like the best? Because um, I think Star Wars, in and of itself, is such a personal thing to a lot of people um, right. that you know, I love I love Empire. I love the Last Jedi. Um, I love them all, to be honest. I love the prequels. But are there flaws in them? Well, of course there are. You know, there's a lot of, like, issues that you can have. But at the end of the day, to me, man, it's it's all about the enjoyment. So I love Empire the best. I would probably then go New Hope, Jedi, Sith, Force Awakens. And those ones are, like, tied. Um, Last Jedi, Clones, and uh, Phantom Menace, I guess. Okay. Derek, how would you do your ranking, personal ranking? Was it just the sagas, or were you including Rogue One too? I, it's including. He Rogue said One nine, well. so yeah, Rogue One. One. Um, I agree with with you on Empire. That's my favorite. Always has been. Always will be. Uh, A New Hope. That would be my second. Mm-hmm. Okay, I, I'll go with Return of the Jedi as my third. Uh. I am going to say then uh, Last Jedi, Rogue One, Force Awakens, and then uh, I'll go backwards, 3, 2, 1. Okay. So Revenge, Attack, and then Phantom Menace. All right. Ken, how about you? As of today, because this is a daily thing, you never know which one's going to be on top. My top three is usually always going to be the same. Um, for me, Return of the Jedi was my favorite. Return of the Jedi, A New Hope, and then Empire. And then, um, <laughs> not that much behind you. But, um, from there, I uh, probably Rogue One, then the um, the Last Jedi. Um, probably the Force Awakens. I'll actually put the Phantom Menace before Sith, and then um, Attack of the Clones is last for me. I would. And go. for me, what it, it it even saying the last one, it's the worst of the best movies out there. And that's that's my that's my whole thing, right? Is like I, I, mm, yeah. I don't like the when people like mis, misconstrue things is like, oh well, that means you obviously hate blank, and it's like, no, I'm totally like I said, I love it. Like I love all things Star Wars. I've I've yet to mm-hmm. find. Honestly, the holiday special is one of the only ones that like I rewatched recently, and I was just like, this is kind of tough to get through. Yeah, it is. It's, but it's still, it's still Star Wars, so there's still yeah, there's still, still some Star- great stuff in there. Well, we we talked about when we did our our recap of Last Jedi. I love the movie. Now, can I nitpick it to death? Yeah. Still doesn't mean I don't love the movie. Yeah. Um, but you- for, but for me, my ranking is I would go Empire Strikes Back first. Um, Force Awakens second, uh, Rogue One third. Which that was Rogue One was the video game I always wanted to play. <laughs> um, Minus the loot boxes. Yeah. Um, then I would go with A New Hope or Star Wars as as we all know it by when it first came out in the theaters. Um, then I would go Last Jedi. Then I go Revenge of the Sith, Return of the Jedi, Clones, and Phantom Menace. That's an interesting list. So it, it it's. Uh, 
again, you know, it, it's our personal list, and, and that's how which which ones am I going to rewatch the most? Go in and 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 definitely keep my attention and rewatch the most. Uh, I think this would be the way I would do it right now. And, until until num- until solo and number nine come out. <laughs> See, my list is based more on which which ones. I don't want to say touched me more, but is that sounds wrong, but (laughs) (laughs) don't make us break out the doll. (laughs) Let me get my, um, show us, show uh, us on Jackson. (laughs) My, my list is based on like, which ones are more personal to me, I guess, or, or I don't know. Well, that, that's what my list is. It's the, my list is again, you know, the ones that you know, are, are more personal to me. You know, it's well, yeah, yeah. But you, like you said, you said um, you you were talking about which ones you could watch over and over again. But mine are more like which ones st- stuck in my mind more, or I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying to say. Never mind. <laughs> no, well, the, I think it actually makes a lot of sense, man. Because it, it's interesting to me to, to look back at a lot of things, right? And the prequels, for example, are a like it's so weird to think of the hate the prequels received back a while back ago. But there's almost this acceptance of them now, if you will, by yeah. amongst the online community, if you will. And my kids, for example, the original trilogy is not even remotely close to what like they. I don't want to say they don't like them, but they're the Clone Wars. Man, they could watch the Clone Wars all day, every day. They love Rebels. Um, they thought Jar Jar Binks was really funny. So I think it's all about your perspective. You know, it's- right. See, my, my daughter loves Rebels. Um, she ha- She's getting into Clone Wars a little bit now. We're, we're, I'm starting that with her. Um, but Rebels, she, she's been there from the get-go and has loved it. But she's, you know, you ask her favorite Star Wars movie, her top one right now is still Force Awakens. Right. Um, oh, yeah. Because for her, that was her first one in the theater. Uh, even though when she saw the original trilogy, she saw the original trilogy, how they were originally presented when I was a kid. Um, and then she's seen them again on TV with TBS and whatnot. And she goes, Daddy, what's, what's this? I said, well, these are the special editions. She goes, just not the same. I'm like, I know, but I mean, they're, st- they're still good. She goes, yeah, but I like the I like the original trilogy, how you saw them better. Well, like, a, there's a, okay. like another show has said, uh, every incarnation of Star Wars, whether it's the original trilogy, the prequels, the Clone Wars, the Rebels, the new movies out now, every incarnation of Star Wars is someone's introduction to Star Wars. Yep. Mm-hmm. Right, yep. well, There's a whole generation of kids that had never seen Star Wars before they saw the Clone Wars. Right. This, this is why I've been. I was thankful to have gotten the uh, the two pack when they released a special edition. The bonus disc was the original uncut. Um, that way, with um, my daughter wanting to watch or see Star Wars, I could show her the original and I guess the quote unquote pure form before all the add-ons came about, so she could see what it was that got me hooked into Star Wars before everything else. So whether she yeah, watches the with- original uncuts ever again doesn't bother me. She's seen them at least once. And that's yeah. what I care about. I think that's one thing that they could do now. Um, if they were going to do something really cool would be go back to the uh, special editions and don't take anything out of them, but clean up the added stuff to actually, because now they could actually blend those to make it look like they're originally there. Yeah. Right. The, the one that is the big glaring one is um, Han stepping on Jabba's tail. Yeah. yeah. They could yeah. actually go through, fix <clears throat> Jabba, make him look like he was supposed to look. And actually make that smoother so that it looks like that was always there. Mm. 
See, the only thing I w- the only two things I would change from the special editions is I would cut back on on the size of the fleet at the end of A New Hope as they're going to the Death Star. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I would get rid of the no as Vader's throwing uh, <laughs> well, the yeah. Emperor down the that was down that wasn't well. in the original special editions either. Yeah, no, uh, that was added for the Blu-rays. Yeah, I think the only the only other thing I would have changed was also the the that I would get rid of is the Ewok song that they changed. Yeah, Yub Dum needs <laughs> to come back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Say what well, you will about the Ewoks, but that song was catchy as all get out. <laughs> oh yes, it was. <laughs> So, yeah, I'm curious. I wonder how much like will they ever go back in? Because I watched uh, some of the watched the prequels. We, we basically did this whole like extravaganza where we started with the Phantom Menace, and we watched it all the way through, and then we watched the Clone Wars, and then we started with, we started watching Rebels, and then the the newer movies, and blah blah blah. Um, and man, I, I got to tell you, like those are some of the special effects. I wonder if they could go in and clean up some of those also. Just to there's a couple there's a couple scenes where it's it's pretty. They seem a little more dated, if you will. Um, and I, I don't know if that's something that Disney has an interest in doing, but I don't know. Yeah, when they were making the prequels, uh, it's like the technology they used in the special effects was probably five to ten years in advance. Problem is, we're twenty years in advance from there. Right. Well, yeah. It's it's no different than I. It, one of the things that always frustrated me whenever I taught when people would complain about the prequels, um, and and actually the what I just did where they're they're complaining about the special effects is I'm like they don't I think remember how dated the original Star Wars looked before the special editions with the way the green screen worked. Uh, and, and all the other things like that. You know, the one thing that I, I always give credit to the prequels on, and, and George Lucas in particular, is just what a revolutionary... I mean, think how many movies now rely on digital effects. This guy did that. They wouldn't be doing that if he hadn't done the prequels. Like, period, point mm-hmm. blank. Mm, yeah. So, Well, getting back to the action figures, look at where the toy industry is right now, and if it wasn't for... Because Star Wars were the first three and three quarters action figures. Yeah. That's the that's the industry standard now. Yep. Yep. And again, there's a great story in Toys That Made Us that explain why the figures are three and three quarter inch. Wasn't it basically to save money or something? No. Yeah, watch the show and you'll find out. It, it has to do with the head of Kenner. Ah. The other thing with that is that since that's what, like, I grew up with the three and three quarter inch figures, that's like, to me, that's like what they should be. And the yeah. other sizes are all wrong <laughs> for me. Well, that, that's growing up in the 80s. G.I. Joe, um, Transformers were only a little bit bigger than that. Everything was that size. Yeah. All your movie figures, everything. Yep. So, um, I guess moving on with the action figure variants, I know you had done um, some with Marvel where there was a, a vehicle tied in with it. Por qué? Uh, on the Marvel side, is, is any chance of something like that happening on the oh. Star Wars side? Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm sorry. You meant like, yeah, the Marvel, we did like the Ghost Rider and the Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur. That has been such a question. I've gotten asked a lot is, you know, will we ever do the vehicles? And it's such a tricky thing, right? Because first of all, the boxes were just basically a photograph of the the toy on like an orange background sitting there with the toy with a figure next to it. And trying to find a clever way to convey that packaging, but also, you know, all the figures are somewhat to scale. Like that was one of the, my, my pride and joys of the Marvel covers was that I literally have a giant, um, 
lineup, each character is actually to scale. If there's 6'5", and there's a character that's supposed to be 6'3", if you put those two toys with your comic books next to each other, they're slightly shorter. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why Galactus was broken up and didn't have his legs attached, was because I wanted, if, if this were real, and you put that Galactus together, he actually stands the height that he should stand next to the other figures. Nice. Uh-huh. Um, I'm, I'm sorry. Did you did you say Ghost Rider? You did a Ghost Rider? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did a, a Robbie Ghost Rider. So the car, uh-huh. and that's why the car, literally the back of the car, is not in the packaging because the width of the comic book when we did the wraparound couldn't accommodate the size of a charger in comparison to the the other figures. That was for uh, an Agents Shield book, wasn't it? Uh, I'm not sure. I, I I thought it was from Ghost Rider number uh, one. Maybe it, the real maybe it was. Maybe it was. Yeah. But anyways, uh, with, the, with the Star Wars ones, that would be the challenge, right? Is like, how do you make an X-Wing that would somewhat fit to scale? Or, you know, I would love to do a Rancor, even. Uh, how do you make the Rancor fit? Mm. Hey, that could be some of the fun of it, is how much of it does fit compared to how much you'd have to leave off. Yeah. Yeah, I, like I said, I'm open. If, I can, if we can come up with an interesting or uh, a way to execute it that I think would be successful and remain true... Because that's the other thing is like you don't want to just reinvent the wheel with these because I, I think a lot of what people enjoy about them is that it's the vintage line. You know, it's it's the, the old school packaging and it, it's that uh, the, the best compliment I've ever received on these is when people say, wow, when I see one of these, I'm five years old again, because with myself being five years old editor guy. That's a powerful thing, man, that that nostalgia, and I, I'd like to capture that. It would be interesting if you used one of the um, bigger toy sets and you actually – if you did like a miniseries, and each comic is uh, um, kind of like the way the old Topps trading cards, when you'd flip them over, they'd make a puzzle. Oh, and my so goodness. Your actual comic book covers make a puzzle. Oh, that's, that's an interesting way of looking at it, man. Take, take one of the old Topps puzzles and turn it into comic covers. <laughs> there you go, man. <laughs> Large size Topps puzzle. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's an actual that's an interesting solution because that would there you go. Well, I, I can I can pitch that for you, man. Yeah, if you got a six issue mini, there's um, three across the top, three across the bottom. There's your Falcon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. All right. That so, would have been good for the uh, Han Solo mini series. Oh yeah. Well, we'll see where it goes. I mean, you know, I, I I know I'm I keep my fingers crossed that they're going to let me finish up the whole at least the original line. You know, let's go let's let's go through Jedi. We're about ready to start it. Um, but where we go from there, man, we'll see. Power of the Force. <laughs> Do some beefcake versions. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if those will fit on the cover. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was like, like so. That was one of the, the really interesting questions we had. Um, if you notice on all of the action figure variants, they all have the Star Wars across the top. Mm. Um, whereas Anakin, the young Anakin Skywalker, has a Phantom Menace across the top, mm. and the reason for that was we they had originally even wanted to go with the Phantom Menace packaging with the little like voice coder thing that you could they literally talk if you will oh yeah yeah, yeah contact yeah. chip yeah so that was effectively the compromise we came up with was let's keep it the vintage packaging but we'll put Phantom Menace and then when I did Poe Dameron I mocked up a Force Awakens version of the logo with that would fit in that box and because it wasn't on brand they're just like eh just make it Star Wars and that's why we've been like blessed to have the opportunity that all of them regardless of era are all on the vintage packaging from the original line um even in the fact that we're not removing the stars from the background like a lot of the jedi and empire toys had so you know i I, that's one i i guess also going back to my do my regrets is man i wish i would have done anakin with the star wars logo on top because he just sticks out like a sore thumb (laughs) 
Yeah, I could see that, but at least it does make sense. Yeah, exactly. So I'm. It's one of those again, like happy mistakes. So. Yeah. So, um, where, what other covers outside of the action figure variant covers are you are you wanting to do? Um, maybe for the Star Wars titles. Um. Hmm. Well, I I had this idea of effect. Like, I don't want to share it. <laughs> I'm sorry <laughs> on the air. Um. No, it's. I had this idea, and I've actually proposed it to Marvel. I've been too busy to do it because once I start, I'd have to get really far ahead on it to make it work. But I think it could be really interesting, and it would be cool to like set some Guinness records and stuff like that with it, which would be a lot of fun. That's all yeah. I can say. Interesting. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I mean... I just love Star Wars, man, and I've I've even contemplated the idea of, you know, maybe taking an opportunity to do an interior for one shot or something like that. I would totally be open to that if my schedule would allow it um, and really kind of going going all out on it. Would you do one as action figures? <laughs> like a, a little action figure theater. <laughs> that would be awesome. Maybe they even just like a little one pager. That, that would be awesome. I would love to see that. It'd be kind of like the comic book version of uh, Robot Chicken. Yeah. <laughs> it might but, take forever to do, but I think it's a be couple worth. of old magazines that used to do that. Once well, in I know. A while. I know there was an there was an artist who who was doing that for for the longest time. Um, I can't remember who he is. So. Well, dude, if Seth Green wants to write a little one page, two pager uh, that they want to do some action figures of a Star Wars robot chicken comic book interior splash, I, I would be totally down for <laughs> taking a swing. Uh, that'd be that'd be something be perfect for like Star Wars Insider. Oh yeah, I would love to see that. I would love to read that. Or even just as a web series. Mm, yeah, I'm down, man. Like I said, my biggest my biggest thing is I've been uh, I've been really fortunate with Marvel to be busy a lot, and uh, you know, hopefully, hopefully the train doesn't slow down. Yeah, I'm sure you know people are loving your work, so it's probably not going to slow down anytime soon. <laughs> Thanks, man. <laughs> um, I had something else. I can't remember where I was going to go. I have one. Uh, what is there something else you'd like to do besides Star Wars or Marvel as like an action figure variant or like a character and maybe a type of style of their uh, action figure? It's cool. Right? One of the nicest things about the action figures are that it's it's such a fertile ground for anything. You know, I mean, you can do you can do Golden Girls action figures. Um, <laughs> look, I, I was approached by a lot of people, uh, especially when when it first started off about doing action figure co- covers for other properties. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I, I, I respectfully had to decline just out of out of respect for Marvel. You know, I mean, right, yeah. they gave me this opportunity and I don't ever want to feel like I'm, you know, taking advantage of them or their generosity. Right. Uh, but, I mean, just selfishly, like, I'm a huge Star Trek nerd. I mean, ah, nice. dude, if I could do any Star Trek stuff, a Gorn, I would be ah. in heaven. Oh yeah, that'd be cool. <laughs> I'm I'm kind of surprised that IDW or Hasbro hasn't jumped on this on this type of cover thing with um their GI Joe and Transformers properties or any of their what is what are they calling that combined universe now? The Hasbro verse. Yeah, I was just thinking yeah. that. Like, well, I do believe they did. They did a couple GI Joe action figure covers that were they might have been exclusives to I think more great art. Um, I, I I believe they did, and I thought it was cool, man. You know, I was really 
I was flattered. I, I, I do not ever take credit as like the guy that invented this genre, obviously. Um, I've certainly, I've, I've, yeah, I've wrote it into the ground. That's for certain. But, uh, <laughs> uh cause I, I believe there was a scud, the disposable assassin action figure, like, Oh, early two yeah. thousands. Um, it's just a cover. And, you know, I didn't, I did I was not aware of that before I started these, but someone brought it to my attention and, I know since then they did um, like some Doctor Who action figure covers. I think it's awesome. Like I'm like I said, I I'm all about sharing the wealth, man. And I, I don't ever want to I don't own this, you know. Right. This is something DC could jump in on too. I think with because they have He Man right now. Oh like, yeah. Any of those classic '80s toy lines. Well, not just that. They could do like the old um, Superpowers. Yeah. Toy line too and stuff. Oh yeah, Superpowers was huge back in the mid '80s. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Those ones with like the silver background. They have a silver background on them. I think they were blue with the stars coming out of the center of it. Okay. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Blue with the starburst coming out. Yes, but uh, you know, I've never. I've, I've only had a chance to do like two. I think only two or three got actually published. I did like six covers for DC back in the day, uh, but a lot of them it was for the, when the New Fifty Two launched. But you know, I've never had the pleasure of drawing Batman or Superman or Wonder Woman. But uh, that would be that would be a joy. Well, we would be happy to see you doing it. Coming from <laughs> right. a big DC fan over here. <laughs> so, um, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, my website is johntylerchristopher.com. I am on Facebook, uh, John Tyler Christopher. There's also a fan page, um, but I also have my own um, personal one that I is not really personal per se, but professional. I'm on Twitter at John Tyler Chris, and I'm on Instagram at John Tyler Christopher, I believe, or John Tyler Chris. It's one of those. It's as many as many characters as you can fit in of that name. That's horrible PR right there. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to see if there are any other questions. Well, from social um, media. Yeah. While he's looking at that, do you have? Um, since it, I know it's way early in the year right now, but are you booked in any shows for this year coming up? If anybody wanted to come out and see you, nothing you official yet on the schedule yet. Okay. Yeah, nothing official. Um, I am I am totally open to anything. I'm I'm really striving to make a better con presence. Um, I know some people hit me up on. Uh, Lexicon, which I heard is a great show, and uh, I'd be interested in that. I've always, I've, I've, I've long wanted to go back to do uh, um, Heroes Con down in Charlotte, uh-huh. uh, just because uh, the old studio I used to be a part of, a lot of those guys still go there, and I'd love to have a little studio revolver reunion, which would be a lot of fun with George Gianti and Dexter Vines and Jason, Jason Pearson and, and all those guys. Cool. Um, probably do NYCC again. I didn't do it last year, and I don't ever want to skip. You know, I don't mind skipping a year, but I, I don't want to skip two years, so might do that one. Uh, my, la- my last question I had, actually, is um, any advice for young artists just coming up trying to get into just doing art in the comics realm? Uh, oh man, that's a whole other show. Um, <laughs> no, I'm I'm really passionate about helping the next generation. I, I mentioned earlier how I'm I'm really into business, um, and I think that's one of the subjects that is sorely lacking in a lot of artists' repertoire is their ability to. There's so many talented artists out there, but they don't have the capabilities or the sense of that's the wrong word they don't they think it's a bad word to say i'm going to make money doing this mm-hmm. when that's not the case and there's never been a better time to be an artist i think regardless of what genre or media or anything you do um i mean god man like how cool is the internet <laughs> i yeah. know that sounds ridiculous <laughs> but 
Mm-hmm. Like as an as an artist, I feel fortunate to be able to do what I do. But I was also like the internet was changing the world right when I was breaking in. If that makes sense, like the internet had been around, obviously. But the concept of commerce and marketability and social media was just kind of was in its infancy when I was getting in. And now with artists, I would just say, like, do your thing, like find your audience and be good to them and treat them, treat them with respect, but also find a way to do your art and be able to make a living at it because that's not a bad thing. You know, people that I don't see many actors out there that are like, oh, I'm doing movies for free, you know, or oh, I'm doing this movie for exposure or um, musicians. You know, I mean, there's obviously a starting out point, but there does come a point where as an artist, you have to grow into that professional side of it. And that's an important step because that's what enables you to continue doing what you're doing and doing doing what you love doing right. um, and not to let other people tell you otherwise, you know, like it's, it's totally understandable that you, when you start out, you're going to have to do some pro bono work or things like that, but don't ever feel afraid to say, I'm going to try and make a living of this. And also it's about taking a risk, man, as with any business venture. Um, so hold strong to your ideals and what you want to do. And I look at where comics were, for example, in the nineties, where it was, everyone was like trying to be Jim Lee and I look at where comics are now, where it's like every, there is no standard comic book style. There is no look to what a comic book has to be. And with web comics now, especially, it's like you can make your own path and embrace that, man. Like, don't don't try and be the next Jim Lee because we already have Jim Lee out there. You know, try and be you and make your style and make that your selling point. Right. I'll cut off there because like I said I could talk about this for two and a half hours, man. <laughs> <laughs> Well, guys, any other questions for John? Because there's nothing more on social media. I think I finished up pretty good with my end one. I'm done with that. <laughs> I think I got all all my questions answered. Mm-hmm. Then uh, I guess we could say on, on that note, thank you, John, for, for being on the show with us. Oh, and, thank you very much for having me, man. And, and chatting all things Star Wars. <laughs> mm-hmm. I appreciate it, man. Oh, it's our pleasure. Hey, feel free. Anytime, anytime you want to come and just hang out and chat about Star Wars, we're here every week. Awesome, man. No, I, I love. I would love to, man. I'd love to just get into uh, – I was actually preparing myself. I listened to your guys' um, review of uh, The Last Jedi, and I was, yeah. all, was all prepared to like kind of nerd out about that or have some discussions <laughs> or talk, uh, talk Battlefront 2 and stuff like that. Oh, wow. Well, thank you for listening to the show. Oh, yeah. dude, I love it, man. But well, we'll definitely have you back on – uh, another time to do to do that, but we wanted to talk about you and, and your work in the Star Wars realm. <laughs> Thanks, man. I appreciate that. So now that you're you're part of the the Star Wars lore, <laughs> <laughs> I just gotta ask: When are we gonna get a Jackson cover? Well, we got Luke coming up next week, and then we've got another exclusive. For Q2 already in the bag, um, but after that, man, I'm always down to do the giant green bunny, dude. <laughs> <laughs> and, and again, I, I say the exclusives are, are, are going to be killing me because it's I got it, it's it's almost like Pokemon. I got to get them all. <laughs> well, I appreciate it, man. Like I said, they've they've been a, an absolute dream. Um, mix it all. Uh, I'll make sure you get taken care of with with Luke coming up here on on number forty. So, oh. That that was the one. What happened? If if you're able to talk about it, uh, what happened with issue forty and why Luke didn't come out when he was supposed to come out? Oh, uh, I've 
there was no conspiracy or anything. It literally was, I was working on a cover and there was just a clerical error at Marvel. Um, they had, they'd intended a 40. They goofed up and just didn't put it in the, uh, the sales sheets for retailers to be able to purchase. So uh, I had heard, you know, a lot of people were hitting me up and they're like, is there a 40? Is there a 40? And I'm like, I'm working on it. Like it's on my schedule. Uh, mm-hmm. When that 40 ended up becoming 41 and I found out there wasn't going to be a 40 is when I called them and I said, hey, man, if there's room for an exclusive here, I would love to take advantage of that. And, uh, you know, I'd been planning on doing the Yavin Luke for quite some time and it just seemed like the match made in heaven. Okay. I mean, it's, it just seemed like so right because it's the 40th issue during the 40th anniversary, Yeah, you know, yeah. and for being the first book for them to have missed. It was the first Star Wars book I didn't do a cover for. And I was like, man, I got to make this happen. And, uh, you know, like I said, I can't think of a better character to do than Luke and his Yavin fatigues because that's that celebration right there. Yep. Well, that that was one one figure we didn't get as a in the in the series either. Yeah, and I think it's really apropos also that he's that's like the version of him in the comics too, you know. Right. So um, yeah, you know, it all worked out. It all worked out perfectly. People seem to be really jazzed about it. I'm excited about Thursday to see uh, see how it goes and take it from there, man. Awesome. Well, again, thank you for coming on. Um, thank you very much, sir. I know, gentlemen. All. I know uh, we'll be back next week. This is a great way to to celebrate our episode fifty is with oh, a, yeah. a great guest, uh, with probably one of the hottest items in the Star Wars marketing or merchandise with the action figure variants. Um, so I, I don't think we could have ended or celebrated our, our 50th episode any better than what we did. Um, so check out John online uh, at his website, johntylerchristopher.com. Um, find him on Twitter and Facebook. And until next time. Give the evacuation code signal. All right, cut the chatter. Jet, I can hold it. Pull up! No, I'm all right. information vital to the survival of the rebellion into the memory systems of this R2 unit. I've lost R2!